as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord? You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Please be seated, and I will call the children and our worship leaders over here. Good morning. <laughs> oh, gosh, another little one to come. There you are. Go. Thank you, Pastor Thomas. I tell you what, you two come sit over here. There you go. Hey, come on. Come on and join us. Mom can come too. There you go. Oh my goodness. All right. So this morning, I want to welcome you to worship. Not just to church, right? But to worship. What do we mean when we say that word? Do you know, Shep? Are you going to tell me something? What did Anna Reese say? <laughs> oh, well, she tried to help you. What? We're praising God. That's exactly right. Good job. We are here to praise God, to rejoice, to be together and pray and sing and just enjoy the company of the body of Christ. And we do it. Intentionally, That means we do it on purpose, right? It's important to worship. So I've invited um, our two worship leaders up here. And the reason I did, they're dressed a little differently, right, than we are. Well, they're dressed just like me. But they're helping lead worship by bringing in the light, the acolyte, and by holding the cross. And you saw him hold the cross. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. I wanted to point them out because I would love for you one day, when you're old enough, to join us in worship leadership like that too. And we just put on our robes to remind everybody that we're part of the worship team, just leading worship. But it takes everybody in here to worship. That's why we want you to sing and say the prayers and participate. So we're not putting on an act up here for y'all. We're just leading y'all in worshiping. And that's really important. So I want you to remember that today. So when you say, let's go to church, when your parents or your grandparents say, let's go to church, you say, we're going to worship and praise God. Okay? Let's pray. Let's pray today. Almighty God, thank you so much for the many blessings you've given us. And we come today to praise you and to pray to you for ourselves and for others. Bless us, O Lord. Give us 
the kind of joy that you can only give us. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Go with this Jesus. Thank you all very much. Please be seated. Our gospel lesson this morning is from the gospel according to Luke, 
the uh, 10th chapter, verses 38 through 42, hear now the word of God. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to get up and help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is one of those times when we read the scripture and in order to grasp the full power of it, it's helpful for us to understand a little bit about the, the culture in which Jesus and his disciples lived. In Jesus' time and place, hospitality was important. It was very important. You provided hospitality to the guest in your home no matter what, no matter what the inconvenience meant, even if they showed up uninvited. If you had guests, you had a profound responsibility to show them hospitality. That included feeding them and housing them and making sure they had what they needed while they were in your home. And it's left over from a time when people were nomadic. Well, the the ancient Israelites themselves, there was a time that they were nomads. And even after they stopped being nomads, they were what we call pastoralists. Meaning before they settled in, in communities that were fixed, they would follow their herds from place to place within a large defined territory, camping as they went. And in such a place where there were no towns and no 911 to call, no GPSs if you got lost. If you found yourself in need, you could go to any camp and be expected, and you would expect going to that place, to be shown hospitality. That is, to be housed, to be fed, if you were in distress, to help you meet that distress. And you would provide that if someone showed up to your camp, to your house, no matter what, Because if the shoe were on the other foot and you found yourself in need, you would want the same hospitality shown to you. And that tradition, that idea was still, even though by Jesus' time, uh, the people were settled and living in settled communities, that tradition of hospitality remained. And while we might think that idea is foreign to us in 2022 in South Carolina, it's not that unusual who of us has not been to an event whether it's a a party or just a visiting in someone's home and your host has is is just in a flurry of activity running around making sure everyone's taken care of the kind of host that when they sit down at the dinner table it's like their chair has a spring in the seat so it shoots them back up as they run around to make sure you have a refill or somebody needs this or that to make sure everything is settled. I'd venture to say some of us have been that host from time to time. 
We take, even we take hospitality seriously. And reflecting on this story involving Jesus and Mary and, and Martha, the great commentator on Scripture, Tom Long, who just also happened to be my preaching professor at seminary, reflecting on this story. And he says, in reflecting, he says that there's, points out that there's an argument going on, instigated maybe by Martha. As Luke tells it, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops in this village where live Mary and Martha, two sisters, Martha takes initiative, showing that great tradition of hospitality. She welcomes Jesus into her home, and she begins preparing for him as fancy a meal as she can. As I say, there's nothing unusual about showing this sort of over-the-top hospitality, welcoming guests, feeding them. They were important values, as I said a moment ago, in that culture. And Martha is doing her best to show that kind of hospitality to Jesus and to make him feel at home. But while she's busy working on preparing food for Jesus, her sister, Mary, is just sitting down. She's not doing anything. She's just sitting there. And that's unusual. Normally in the ancient world, all of the adult women in a household would have shared in the task of preparing a meal. But Mary chooses not to help out. Instead, she just sits there at Jesus' feet, notably sitting at Jesus' feet in the position of a student or a disciple. And she listens to what Jesus is saying. Martha finally has enough. She's had more than she can stand, and that's where the argument starts. She is frankly tired of doing all the work while Mary doesn't do anything except just sit down, and she lets her feelings out. Now, we might have expected uh, Mary to, Martha rather, to lean over and hiss something in Mary's ear. We might even have expected her to make a scene to a degree, but focus her venom at Mary. But she doesn't, does she? Instead, she reprimands Jesus and tries to get him to tell Mary to get up and do the work. She goes into the room and she says, Lord, to paraphrase, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work all by myself? You tell her to get up and get in the kitchen with me. Bear in mind, as I say, she says that to Jesus. There's tension between what Mary is doing and what Martha is doing. And Jesus says that Mary has chosen what is needed Acknowledging, I think, also that Martha has chosen what is needed, but in a way that she's lost sight of. Martha is living into service. Martha is living into that call to hospitality. After all, the Savior of the world is in her living room. Okay? You probably want to make sure that meal tastes good. So she is doing something she should do. She's doing something Jesus would want her to do. But she's lost sight of why she's doing it. 
There he is sitting and listening and learning and being shaped. That tells us, by the way, that Jesus is not just sitting there talking about the weather. But he was teaching. Mary sat and listened to the teaching while Martha was too busy to stop and hear it. What Mary is doing here is essentially what we do in worship or prayer. It's being in Jesus' presence and simply enjoying being there and allowing God to change us and mold us in the process. There are four steps that we see reflected in this scripture reading. There are four steps that's being played out in this tension between Mary and Martha that can be instructive to us. The four steps are first, before you serve, sit. Second, when you sit, listen. Third, through it all, love. And fourth, then get up and go do. Before we undertake any task, spiritual or otherwise, we need to be equipped to be able to do it with success. Let's look at the first of those. Before you serve, sit. I was thinking about this idea and I I remember stories. I don't so much have memories with my early childhood as I have the stories that my parents seem to tell time and again. But apparently as a small child, I was a worrier. I'm a worrier as a grown adult, but I was, even, I was also a worrier as a small child. And when I was four, my best friend was a year older than me. They were our neighbors, lived, our houses backed up. We played every day. So when he had his kindergarten graduation, of course, my family and I were there. And I, I like most four-year-olds, was not much of a reader. But I did notice that at kindergarten graduation, written on the chair that every child sat in was a piece of paper with their name on it. And I began to worry because I knew in one short year I'd be graduating from kindergarten and I couldn't read my own name. How would I know what chair to sit in? And my mother said to me, you've got a year to learn to read, son. It's going to be okay. I'm like, if I'd, but I, I, was, I, I was just spent the night just in, in fretting over the fact that I would not know where to sit because I could not read my name. Well, my mother spent that summer teaching me how to write my name. But I was worried about something that I was not equipped to worry about. Before I was able to read my name... I needed to learn how to read and write. Well, guess what? Only one short year later, I was able to read my own name on my chair in the same gym for for kindergarten graduation. Before we serve, sit. Before I was able to know anything else, I had to learn. Before I was prepared for the, the task that was kindergarten graduation, I had to sit and learn so that I'd be prepared. And I was. And when you sit, listen. Once you've set the second move, before you serve, sit. And once you sit, listen. Now, I could have gone to kindergarten and not paid attention and not learned to write my name. And then I would not have known where to sit on the night of graduation. But I did. I was thinking about this idea of sitting and listening, and I was reminded of a process in seminary. Uh, The second, in seminary at least, when I was there in the dark ages, you took Old Testament for an entire year, two semesters, and then two semesters of New Testament. 
And the way it worked was the first semester was sort of an overview of the whole thing, and then the second semester was all research and interpretation. And for Old Testament, what that meant for me was by the end of the semester, we had to produce a huge research paper on which rested the majority of our grade. And we got to pick what we wanted to write it on. And I picked Jonah. Do you know why I picked Jonah? It's only four chapters. And the paper was only on two of them. And I knew the story already, and I thought it would be easier. Friends, we beat those two chapters of Jonah to death for an entire semester. I had to go to a colloquy, a small group that met weekly, taught by a Ph.D. student, and, 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 and I had to write a paper every week on some different thing that was due about Jonah. I could not imagine having to write six or seven papers on two chapters, the same two chapters, over and over again. But I did, and I thought it was silly. And I thought it was silly until I started pulling the pieces together for this giant research paper that was due at the end of the semester. Because I realized in writing those same chapters, writing a paper on those same chapters, I'd already done most of the research for my final paper. So that all that was left to do was pull the loose ends together and write it. When you sit, listen. I could have not paid attention in colloquy. I could have been like the man who was in my class and never showed up, and he was not very uh, in a good position as I discussed the paper with him in the library the week before it was due. Before you serve, sit, and when you sit, listen. And third, through it all, have the right spirit. As I say, that process might have seemed silly of writing that exegesis paper. That's what it was called, the big paper, an exegesis paper. And it might have seemed onerous, but by going through that process, even though I wasn't always loving, had a wonderful attitude about it, I nevertheless went through it. And we can either complain about some process like that and, and be eaten up with resentment about something we have to do or we can just do what's needed and know that what's supposed to happen at the end of this process will happen. Through it all love, that is, have the right attitude. So if we serve, before we serve, sit. If we listen when we sit. If we love through it all, we won't lose sight of the meaning of why we're doing what we're doing. We won't lose sight that there is a purpose behind the work. And without the purpose, the work loses all its meaning. And that's when we get up and go do. That's now is the time to go be like Martha. That is the time to go and do the work that needs to be doing. So sometimes when we read these verses, we might tend to identify with Mary. We might need to identify with Martha. But let me tell you, we need to be both. Because what Martha was doing was right. She just hadn't do, done the first three things. If we do sit before we serve, if we listen when we sit, if we love through it all, and then we get up and go do... <clears throat> what we do has meaning and purpose. And then, unlike Martha, who was literally serving the Lord, but instead of being frustrated 
and resentful in the process. The one doing the service can have the same joy as the sister sitting at Jesus' feet. So the call, let us be like Mary and Martha. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we give you thanks and praise for all the wonders of this world. We thank you for the gift of relationship with one another and with you. Fill us with the joy of appreciation, of awareness and the beauty around us. Let us worship you with our entire being and help us remember these gifts even as we pray for our struggles. For those who mourn, who hurt, who despair, we ask that you open their eyes and hearts to the love you have faithfully provided. Heal every hurt. Give them strength to endure the difficult and look beyond to the glory of your presence that is offered to us all. Empower us, strengthen us, inspire us to reach out and be your hands here on earth and bind us together in ministry and service to you and to others. Lord, we trust our deepest worries and concerns to you. Unburden our hearts and help us rest in you so that we may be a people of deep joy and a church of fertile ground. Be thou our vision, O Lord. Keep our thoughts and our actions focused on you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. And now as we respond to this love and the hope that we have in the glory, I'll invite our ushers to come forward.
we come together truly grateful for our many blessings. And we ask that you bless these offerings of our gifts and of ourselves to your service. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, I invite you to remain standing for the benediction. As you leave this place, seek to be in the presence of Christ that he might equip you for his service. Now may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.